Legion of Dogs, your free resource for multi-dog living. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of the Legion of Dogs podcast. We're excited. <laughs> um, so we thought we'd just talk about Legion of Dogs first before we dive into our first topic. And it's a educational resource for multi-dog families. We have a Facebook support group a Facebook page, a website, a podcast, and a blog. We should also introduce ourselves. My name is Jade Robertson Zwingli. I've been a dog trainer for over 15 years now, long time. Started out in shelter, worked for a humane society, um, and then did dog sports the whole way along. And now I have three Aussies and a Chihuahua. And I'm Christina Young. I started in dog sports uh, with my first dog about 25 plus years ago, and I was teaching for the kennel club, moved from there into rescue. I ran an American Eskimo rescue and worked with a lot of special needs um, dogs for a long time. And then I moved into dog sports and border collies, and I've been working professionally as a dog trainer for about nine or 10 years now. So we're going to kick off our first topic with talking about having a multi-dog family that has either different breeds, uh, like very different breeds, or very different sizes of dogs. Those kind of go hand in hand because some of our different breeds are also different sizes. In my own household, I have had lots of sizes of dogs. My smallest dog is six pounds and I've had dogs up to 82 pounds. And I think Chris has had bigger dogs than me. <laughs> well, my smallest dog is a lot bigger than your smallest dogs. My smallest dogs are always American Eskimos. So they range, uh, Riker is about 17 pounds and my other one was about 23 pounds. And then I've had oversized Goldens and Mastiffs. My big boy was 135 pounds. My Golden was 80 pounds. And now I've got Border Collies, which are in the 40 pound range. We brought up this topic because we know firsthand how hard it is to live with dogs who have very different play styles and sizing than each other. And it can be a challenge. So if you have a multi-dog home that's comprised of different individuals, it's hard. It's much harder than having all the same breed. So that's food for thought really, because if you're thinking I'd like to have a multi-dog household, planning to have dogs of the same breed can sometimes just be easier. Or at least the same type. For instance, a golden retriever and a spaniel, a little cocker spaniel or something, are likely to have more similar play styles than, for instance, my American Eskimo and my Border Collies. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Sometimes when we have multi-dog households with different breeds, it can actually be an asset as well. So I don't want to be like, oh, it's all bad because it's, it's not. If you have a dog that's like really, really intense and that breed or the line tends to run that way and you have another breed that's not, sometimes that just calms the whole situation right down. So I'm thinking like, say you have pointers and you add a golden retriever, sometimes that's nice too. So it's, it's not all bad. But when we're looking at really different sizes of dogs, um, so typically more than 20 pounds difference, it has specific challenges and safety concerns that come with that. So the biggest thing is, is if you actually have a dog to dog issue where there's a fight involved and one of your dogs is a lot smaller, the chance of that dog being injured seriously goes way up. 
we need to be aware in our homes when we have a large dog that may have issues with one of our other dogs. If there's a size difference, we may have to take a different approach than we would if the dogs are the same size. Chris, I don't know if you want to jump in with some of your suggestions. Sure. The, the other thing to consider is that when you're bringing multiple dogs home, chances are you're not adopting them both at the same time from living together. And we have this hope in our hearts that the dogs are going to curl up on the couch together and one will chew an end of a bone and the other will be on the other bone. And, you know, we want them to be all lovey-dovey and best friends. And that might not be the case. And when we pick dogs of different sizes, that just adds more risk factor to the scenario if they don't get along. So one suggestion I have is when we are bringing them home is to set boundaries right away, set some structure in place so that the dogs don't have free access to play or wrestle or be in each other's space right away. We want to introduce them slowly and, and by setting boundaries and some structure so that they get used to being in the same room together and being near each other, eating bones together, but separate so that they're in crates or with X-pens or baby gates or tethers, something that just helps them get used to being together without being in each other's space. Yeah, I find another place where I really have to be careful, even once the dogs know each other, is when I'm letting dogs in and out of the doors because the Aussies go out of doors at full speed, uh, usually just raring to go. And the Chihuahua, not only is he a very small Chihuahua, he's a very old Chihuahua who's partially blind. So he can't just be in the doorway with them, he'll get run over. And because the size difference is so significant, he could be injured inadvertently just by them stepping on him. We've had to work on a lot of impulse control with the Aussies, where they'll do sit stays and waits, or I pick him up which I do a lot of, I mean, he likes to be picked up. So it's an option in our house. And frankly, if you have a little dog, especially one that has some mobility issues, being able to pick them up might be something you need to train. Mm -hmm. A lot of people who haven't had small dogs or they're new to small dogs, they'll say, oh, don't pick them up. Absolutely, you can pick them up to keep them safe. As long as the dog is tolerant or enjoys being picked up, picking up a small dog to keep them safe is a great skill to have. I have a similar challenge at doors because I have two very fast, enthusiastic border collies and I have a little American Eskimo. So at doors, I've done the opposite. I do train some impulse control with the border collies, but I have a little shoe bench kind of off to the side of my front door. And on the outside, I have a little raised bed on the deck and Riker my Eskimo, he has trained some impulse control because he's the one that's going to chase and, and get himself underfoot. Uh, he will sit on those platforms for cookies while I open and close the door. So that's his routine. We're all going to go in or we're all going to go out rather than have them all at the door um, waiting patiently. I just put Riker on a station then I can open the door. Border collies can go. Riker gets a cookie and off we go. So that just keeps him safe and out. Uh, you know, keeps him from getting knocked down the stairs or something else. <laughs> so you guys are hearing from both of us doorways, bit of a hot spot when there's a size difference. Um, another area that caught me off guard when I got a chihuahua, because I had small dogs before him, but not as small as he is. He can fit through my kennel bars where my Aussies eat and have bones. And I had to, um, actually kick him out of my dog room so he doesn't get to be part of that area because he will walk right into their kennels and take their stuff 
and we know that creates some resource guarding from the dogs that are in the kennels. So sometimes when we get a different size dog that we're not used to having, we need to look around our house at modifying certain things. We're going to rebuild these kennel doors so that he can no longer fit. That's a great plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, have, um, I have a similar but opposite issue with the doors here is that Riker fits Sue's a cat door and my border collies <laughs> don't. Just their head goes through. Um, Jubilee can squeeze through the cat door, but she prefers to have the big door opened. One thing that I've used that for is that's an escape route for Riker. When the Border Collies are getting a little bit excited and he doesn't know what to do, he knows he can go through that cat door and be safe and alone without the big dogs near him wrestling or tossing a toy around. So having an escape route like that where he can go, but they can't, has been a great training opportunity for me because I can see him going, oh, I don't like this. This is a little bit intense. And I say, hey, buddy, go on outside. I'll go give him a cookie, calm the border collies down, and then he can come back inside and be a part of things again. Yeah, for sure. Having those different use of tools that we already have in place can really, really help. One of the things we also have to remember too, when we own different breeds or different size dogs is their needs are different. And we need to make sure we're not treating them all the same, mm -hmm. which it's kind of a weird concept, right? We're like, oh, every dog needs a walk. Every dog needs a puzzle toy. Well, I live with a 14-year-old Chihuahua. He doesn't like walks when it's cold out or if it's raining. And we live in a, a rainy climate. So most of the year he doesn't walk. He doesn't like puzzle toys very much. He's kind of um, lazy because he's old. <laughs> so his enrichment has to be very different than my Australian Shepherds, but he still needs that. So he does get training sessions and he does get little fetch sessions. But when I'm doing a fetch session with Remo, it's not outside, it's inside. It's in a space where the Aussies are put away. He gets different toys than them because they're light and easy for him to carry. <laughs> and that's how he gets his attention because he's a different dog. Mm -hmm. We have the same idea. Riker is a little predatory fellow. He has a very high prey drive. He's also had four knee surgeries and he has some back issues and he has a lot of anxiety. He does not like chaos. He likes order. So he doesn't like going on long walks. It's hard on his knees. It's too hard emotionally for him to feel safe in the environment for, you know, 10 or 12 K. And he doesn't, go with me on those walks and that made me sad at first because he's an energetic little guy but he gets different activities so we have acreage here he comes out with me and he helps me feed the horses and clean the paddocks that is a Riker specific enrichment activity that we do exercise activity and he doesn't get to go on the walks and as far as toys another thing to consider when you have big dogs and little dogs is that the toys that are safe for Riker aren't necessarily safe for the larger dogs. This was especially true when I had the Golden and the Mastiff. A ball that was safe for an American Eskimo could choke one of the bigger dogs. And a, a ball that was safe for the big dogs, the Eskimo couldn't pick up. And I'm a big fan of uh, the Breathe Right balls. So they come in different sizes, but they have a lot of holes in them. They might That's swallow awesome. them, but they don't. And the little dog can pick up the big one by the by the pieces rather than by the whole thing. So a big fan of that. But safety with toys is an issue. Yeah, that actually happens when I have a litter too. So the puppy litter has really small toys because they're tiny little babies. And the mom dog can actually 
choke or get hurt on them. So a lot of times I'm putting those specific toys out when I have the bigger dogs separated. And I do that for my Chihuahua. Um, so when I want to give one of my smaller dogs, either the puppies or Remo a toy, they get it in their own special space that's away from the larger dogs so that they get that time and enrichment that they need still. Um, but those little toys are not out all the time. I'm kind of lucky in that in our household, we can have lighter weight large toys that the Aussies don't destroy because they're not destructive and the Chihuahua can carry them still. So I've lucked out a little bit there because that wasn't always the case previously. And I used to get smaller dogs that were a little more sturdy. So I had Schnauzers, I had a French Bulldog that we rescued. The Chihuahua we added into the family once my dogs reduced in size a bit. So I went from the 80 pound dog into the 35 pound range. Um, so it didn't seem as quite as big of a jump anymore. The other thing to consider, uh, not necessarily a size issue, although it is in my house because my dogs are very different types, herding dogs enjoy certain activities and little spits, the natural dog type enjoys different activities. So we do separate play, just like you do for the size difference. But I put Riker every day, we have a little routine. We go into the bedroom and I bring out his little Haida squirrel toy. So it's a little, <laughs> little log and the squeaky squirrels hide inside. And he gets to rip them out of the log and squeak them. It's very predatory. He plays with toys differently than the Border Collies do. What he gets out of toy play is not the same as what the Border Collies get. So when there are toys, toy play in the same room between the two types of dogs, there can be a lot of conflict because in Riker's little heart and soul, how he wants to play with toys is like, we're gonna kill this little toy. We're gonna disembowel it. This is a predatory behavior and he is intense. The Border Collies are like, hi, here's a toy. Do you want to play tug? Why would I spin around in circles and smack myself with it? They're not playing the same way. So when you put them in the same room together, that can create a lot of conflict. So we do separate play. Riker is not allowed to play when the Border Collies are playing with toys. He can't go take their toys. And when he's playing, they aren't allowed to go near him and be a part of that because it just isn't going to work out for them. Yeah, you can adjust this based on your own individual dogs. Like if you have one dog that's very different from your other dog, but they actually do play well together. So one of my Aussies is super gentle, just very wonderful dog, but she's also been a mom. So she's a little more aware of size differences. She can play tug with the Chihuahua. Now I'm sitting there, I wouldn't do this alone, but the other ones can't. They're too rambunctious. They're gonna step on him. They're gonna squish him. They might growl at him. So it's just, you can make adjustments based on your individual dogs that you own too. And the key there is supervision, really, really important. And then when we talk about different breeds and different play styles, I think it's important to note that dogs can adapt their play styles, mm -hmm. but they're not always having fun. So for example, when I had a sporting breed, I had a pointer and my Aussies would tackle him. He looked like he was enjoying it. He was running around with them. Like he was moving. He was a very enthusiastic dog, but he did not like that. If you watched his subtle body language too. So one of the things I had to teach the herding dogs was to leave it when they were about to go in for a grab, which means I'm interrupting micro play throughout every walk. 
and it's exhausting. Yeah. So it's something to keep in mind when you're getting different breeds together and what to look for, because I could have just left them alone and I could have let the Aussies do it to him forever. He would have let them, but it wasn't fun for him. And I noticed his recall was becoming worse because they were actually keeping him further out from me than what he would have when he walked alone. So sometimes too, taking your dogs out for individual hikes or individual play gives you information about what that dog naturally would like when the other ones aren't there. And that could exist within the same breed too, right? Oh, for sure. Uh, We're talking breeds and sizes, but dogs are individuals. That can uh, come up with two border collies from the same litter or two dogs that are very closely related. it's just a generalization. So just watch your dogs to see what they're doing. We have the same thing with my hikes. That's why I stopped bringing Riker even on the shorter hikes with the border collies. They're running around and they're so rambunctious that on the hikes with them, Riker was staying far away. He didn't want to be near them. So therefore he wasn't near me. And then that's telling me he's not really enjoying those hikes. So he does little dog hikes. I I have a friend with a bunch of spits as well. And we take my old dog and Riker and we go out together with the spits and and do our little dog hikes or old dog hikes separate from the border collies. (laughs) I need to bring Remo on one of those. Oh, he'd love it. (laughs) Poor Remo never gets little dog time. Yeah, and Riker's the big dog in that group. So he feels very safe. He has a lot of anxiety around other dogs. And when he outweighs the other dogs by, you know, 200%, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's on top of the world. He's so happy. He plays, he's excited. He feels confident and he, he doesn't avoid me because there's dogs at my feet, which is, you know, yeah, you're going to go for a walk. The other thing that you guys can think about if you have smaller dogs is teaching them where you want them to go when they don't feel comfortable so that you can recognize that and kind of interrupt it or pick them up. I carry a backpack when I hike Remo because he's old and I'll put him in there. But he knows that if he gets in peekaboo position with me, which means he's in between my legs, he's done. He wants me to pick him up. And that's a communication signal I've taught him will always result in a certain action. So every time he does that, he then gets to go in his bag or get picked up. So he's learned how to request my assistance. Riker is the same. I have a, I just pick him up. He jumps into my arms. Uh, so when I'm hiking with him and we see other dogs, I, I cue him to jump into my arms. He gets some cookies and then I let him go. And if it looks like a good situation, I'll let him go say hi to those dogs. Um, but because I've practiced that so much, when we do see another dog and the other dog looks a little intimidating, or maybe it's a big barky dog, that's going to be scary for him. He will come over and just look and you can see him little jittery and like okay up 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 and he can ask to be picked up and that's a nice safe place for him especially if you're hiking and you're going to run into strange dogs that you don't know again that size difference matters you know a a 80 100 plus pound dog can do a lot of damage to my little 17 pound guy in very short time and I, i don't know that dog so i like to have that safety just in case it looks a bit iffy to me Yeah, I think it's important. And then we're also teaching our dogs how to request, you know, removal from a situation where there's stress, which means we're reducing the chances that dog will then have to do something to get rid of the threat. So that could be charging, barking, it could be actual attacking. When dogs feel defensive, that is a good option for them a lot of the time, even if they're little, 
And we hear that like from people, oh, these chihuahuas charged me and my dog or these dachshunds went for us. And it's ridiculous to everyone involved because the size of the dog, people laugh about it, but it's that dog actually felt so threatened. They felt that was their only choice. And we want to give our dogs more choices. And being aware of body language is very important for any dog owner, but especially when you have multiple dogs. So little dogs often will give subtle signs that they would like space and those subtle signs get ignored. So the dog then has to escalate. And this is, I mean, partly genetics, but partly part of why little dogs are so barky is because when they say, no, thank you, no one listens and someone will scoop them up or another dog will get in their space anyways. So the dog has learned that when they say, no, thank you, no one listens. So you better tell you where to F off <laughs> right out of the gate. Um, <laughs> And that's something that we can help them when we see subtle signs, when we see our dog lift a foot or avert their gaze and go, mm, no, thanks, because like, okay, let's take you out of that situation so that those subtle signs are respected or reinforced. Yeah, and we could say the same for the big dogs too. Oh, if you yeah. guys are seeing body language where your dog's not comfortable, remove them. You just can't usually pick them up. <laughs> you don't have oh. that instant option. <laughs> The biggest thing I find when we're, we're living in a multi-dog household, and Chris and I have touched on this a couple of times, is there's certain things you can train that make life better. Impulse control for all parties involved, really important as much as you can. Teaching your dogs how to get out of a situation, really important so that they have an option to escape or remove themselves. And then also doing enrichment with them that's specific to their needs and their breed and their genetics and their instincts and all of those things. Even if you have a breed that's bred to be a companion dog only, they don't have prey drive or anything, having one-on-one -on -one cuddle time, super valuable. Figuring out exactly what each dog's needs are in that dynamic is important too. Yeah, I... I'm going to add a little thing here because I have an older, she's almost 11, golden retriever cross and she's blind and she's got a bad knee. So even though she would like to come for some of the big hikes, I choose not to bring her because it's not in her best interests at, with her, her challenges. And so every day, every morning and every night, we get one-on-one -on -one cuddle time because big part retriever, that, that's very important to her. <laughs> Yeah. So it just comes down to meeting needs and being aware, like just anyone who has little dogs know this. We already make modifications to our house. Like I have a step onto my couch because the dog can't get up on his own. Like we already do this stuff. So just thinking about it in the context of how they need escapes and breaks from our other dogs is kind of crucial. Or even if it's the same breed, you might say the same thing for an older dog. If you have a puppy, and, and an older dog or even, you know, adult dogs and a senior dog, they likely need a break. One of the big things you could teach your dogs is separation is okay. Being across an X-pad, being on the other side of a baby gate, nothing to stress about, even if uh, your people are moving about or on the other side. We want to make sure that we can separate them. And so that when someone does need some space, it's not, not stressful for any of the parties involved to have that separation. Yeah, and if you teach that to your dogs when they're younger, by the time they're older or mobility issues come up during their life, it's less stressful. Because trying to train those things once your dog's already in a medical emergency or not feeling well is really difficult. And I made that mistake once. I got two Aussies. One was three and a half and one was a puppy. They hyper bonded. 
And my three and a half year old dog, Blue Boat, is cruciate. And he had to be on kettle rest after having knee surgery. And my puppy was running around my house screaming because they'd never really been separate. They walked together. They would train separately, but he always had access to that other dog. And I realized really quickly, like I made a big mistake. I needed to train this puppy how to be separate from the other dog. Even though I had other dogs in the family, that was his best friend. So it was something I had to learn the hard way. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you guys can avoid that. (laughs) It wasn't fun. (laughs) I think we've covered what we want to say about breeds and sizes in the same household. There's always more dynamics to this, depending on like what your mixes are and what you're dealing with too. And we can talk about nuances um, in the group, in the Facebook group. If you want to bring them up, love to chat about different situations and different dogs. So feel free to share your experiences as well. So thanks for listening and keep tuned. We will have more episodes coming out. And if you have any topics that you'd like us to cover, feel free to let us know in the Facebook group or send us an email. We'd be happy to hear from you. Have a great day, guys. Thanks for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you'd like more information, don't forget to check out our website, our Facebook group, our page, and our blog posts.